we got Scott Salem, also known as Scott the Engineer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Not a this, problem, man. man. I love it. I love it. I know you're kind of behind-the-scenes type of guy, but... Yes, I usually am. It <laughs> brings you out a little bit. Uh, Yeah, but, I, you know, I'm used to being on the air, obviously. I've been on the air many times. <laughs> many times before. Yeah. yeah. What, what got... When you were a kid, what yeah. was radio? Like so, like when you were in the car with your dad, mm-hmm. when you're ten in your teens, what was radio? Was it just radio, a track, or, or what the hell was it? It was just radio. Radio. It wasn't even FM. It was AM radio. AM radio. My parents used to listen to um, like Sinatra and Dean Martin and that, and that kind of big band music, you know, in the car. And it was only AM radio and. You know, that's all. That's all we had. <laughs> there wasn't even FM. No FM. Wow. I mean, in the fifty, late fifties, <clears throat> I was like eight or nine. You know, and um, that's it. AM, FM didn't start really. It was around, but it didn't really start being put into cars until the early sixties, and then it, then it hit in the late sixties. Now, when FM came out, was that, like, the big thing? <clears throat> what Was that, like, you know, like, when the iPhone came out, everybody was like, whoa, the iPhone. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, FM and Color TV came out around the same time. Oh, color, color TV, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we, we only had black and white, a little nine-inch black and white TV is what I had in my room. Wow. Um, come on, don't you're making me sound like I'm 120 well, you're only years 29. old. 29. Yeah. yeah, right. You watched the documentary. I just turned 70 the other day. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> Not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed so long ago, but... You know, in the 60s, it was just Color TV just came out, and FM Radio just came out. And the late 60s, we had 8-track tapes. Wow, that was something that you could put in your car and play your own tapes. But FM was the thing. I mean, if you had a car with an FM radio, it was all they did, they played great music on FM because that was stereo, the first time you get stereo in a radio. Um, so... Like yeah. if you if you had FM FM in your car and you picked up a girl, was oh, that an automatic you, panty dropper? You got it, guaranteed. <laughs> you did it, yeah, yeah. You hit the big time. On the A tracks, how would you record to them? Same way you would a cassette, or how did how did the A track you didn't, work? You, you, you know, when you got a D, when you first got DVDs or CDs, you couldn't record to them. So it was the same thing with an A track. Oh, I see. So you, you were just going and buy like the you, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, A-track. you just go buy a tape. You know. On, on Frank, you know Frank Sinatra or whoever was Al Zeppelin at that point, they started having rock and roll. Oh, did um, you know that? Yeah, my my parents had a Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, it had the I remember it as a kid the A track, the big gap for the thing to go in. And, right. And my I don't know if my dad still has them, but I think he had like he was a Frank Sinatra guy, Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. And then of course, then it went down what to the cassette tapes, and then you had the CDs, and now we've got. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, eventually you could make your own tapes, you know, like CDs. You were able to burn your own CDs. So eventually you could record on your A-track at home and make your own tapes. Mm. But that didn't last long because cassettes came out a few years later. A-tracks were only around four or five years, and then, boom, cassettes were there. That sucks for that guy who invented that. He probably <laughs> thought I hit the jackpot yeah, five years right when it would be about to take off. Boom! You would buy you would buy like a uh, you know accessory a track player for your car, 
screw it under the dashboard and get it plugged in to the Holy to shit. the system and uh, was it it would bounce up and down you know and, and, but yeah that was how you added an a track into your car i don't even think man, car manufacturers it, it came and went so fast i don't even think they got to put a tracks installed as regular equipment in many cars at all I, i'd be damned to find a car that has a built-in a track it's probably worth a gazillion dollars if it does <laughs> yeah, right because right, right, they, right. they didn't have time to make the deals with the yeah. auto manufacturers before it, it, it was, it was so level. yeah it came and went so fast um boom and that was it so and then cassettes took over that's interesting color tv fm and call it an a track a track all in the all, mid to late 60s yeah. all, all at once well pretty much yeah now, when did you get interested in like sound, audio? Did you have any interest at that time in yeah, high you, school? Yeah, I was in a band, uh, played drums, and so we <laughs> we weren't too good. <laughs> we, were, we were 13, 14 years old. That's still cool. You know, um, I played the drums too. <laughs> David Lazorczak. Yeah. So I was into music at that point, but the sound thing really came when now. This is going to sound unbelievable. I had a band with 14 years old. The, the name of the band was The Daybreak. Daybreak. So at the time, I lived in New York, and cousin Brucey, Bruce Morrow, was one of the biggest jocks in the country, not only in New York. He was on WABC, a uh, huge station. Had um, It reached many states around... Northeast. They were having a contest. Local bands enter, you know, if you have a local band enter your contest, you can win a recording contract. So we're <laughs> we're 14 years old and somebody sent an application in for our band. And we get a call one day and like, okay, you've been accepted to come down to the studio and try out to see if you're good enough to enter the contest. And I was like, you got to come in two days. I'm like, okay. We're 14 years old. None of us were driving. We had to go from Queens to Manhattan with all our gear. I'm like, okay. So we found what our guitarist's mother had a station wagon. It was like, okay, she'll take us, blah, 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 blah. So we get down there. We go into a recording studio, 14. The first time I'm in a recording studio. There's Cousin Bruce, one of the biggest DJs in the country. And... uh that's where it all started for me, really. I was like, I was taken away by being in a studio, you know, for the first time at 14 years old, and uh, blew me, it blew me away. So and ever, being around the biggest guy on the planet at the time, right? right? Pretty much, he was he was huge. It was 1967, and then yeah. that set you on your path, pretty much. Yeah, that, that did. And then I was 14, and um, we what what happened was we our lead singer was too scared to come on with us. He oh, quit. <laughs> so he was like, no, I'm not going on embarrassing myself. But it basically was you, you went in the studio, you set up, you played a song for them first to see if you were even worthy of, you know, who knows, you know, you could be totally crap. So we played the song and they go, well, we, guys, you got to limit the time to three and a half minutes. And this song was five <laughs> and we were not musicians and we had no way to know how to cut it down so to three and a half in two minutes so we pick another song and it goes Scott you're gonna sing lead Ooh. 
I'm like, uh, okay, I know the words, I know the song, <laughs> but I don't know about it. <laughs> you know, so got a shot I, I was singing background all the time, but I said, all right. So we we did the song as a rehearsal for the the cousin Brucey and the engineers who was in the control room, and then they go, that was really great, guys. Okay, we're gonna take it for for air. Well, you're like, you're what? in, you're in. Yeah. we didn't win, but we, you're in the contest. Wait a minute. We made it. So we recorded the song. I mean, it was, you know, great. It was a great experience. Cousin Brucey was like, yeah, those guys are tremendous. They're 14 years old and blah, blah, blah. It aired a couple of months. It actually was on the radio in in November of 67. We didn't win we didn't the contest. We didn't come close, but we got- I mean, Made it to the radio. We made it to the radio in 67. That was my first experience. How cool was that? AM radio. <laughs> it was unbelievable. What was the name of the song? You remember? Yeah, I do- the name of the song was Louis Go Home by Paul Rivera and the Raiders. Louis Go Home? Louis Go Home. But it wasn't their it wasn't their version they did it. We did another our own kind of version of it, our own arrangement. So yeah, it was it was wicked. It's funny to think back to, right? And then you pop up on the radio for the first time not knowing what's in the future. Right. That was the first <laughs> time I was on the radio, nineteen sixty seven, but it, it really shaped my mind of, hey, I wanna be in this sound thing and I want to I want to do this and then from that point on how did you pursue it basically was a bad student at school <laughs> didn't give a shit because <laughs> I, I knew in my head I don't need any of this crap I know what I want to do so I, I finished high school rather badly and then I started college in mechanical engineering, and I did one semester of that, and I'm like, no fucking way. And what, what, what was mechanical engineering? Like, I, what, what did they even I, try to I don't teach? know. I, was like, <laughs> I couldn't even understand you know, half the words that were. I was like, one semester, I'm out. Wrong, I'm done. Wrong one, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, not happening. Um, and then so it, it was like uh, 71, around 1971. And I'm like, okay, I knew what I wanted to do. I'm 19 years old. And at that point, there's nothing even closely related to teaching audio engineering, recording studios, nothing. Was there even a thing called a sound engineer? Or this episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all types of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. This episode is sponsored by westonjohnboshay.com. Even after a decade of exposure to the fashion industry, while fully immersed in the modeling world, model and future designer Weston John Boucher still hadn't found clothing that checked every box when it came to look, feel, quality, durability, and price. 
His solution was to create a menswear brand that would bridge the gap between designer-level pieces and reasonable price points without sacrificing quality. Weston's aim was to provide men who prioritize their health with effortless sophistication and style through simplicity of flattering fits, handsome designs, and amazingly comfortable materials. It's time to elevate your style. Experience obtainable luxury by Weston John Boucher at WestonJohnBoucher.com. Use the code Tommy to save 25% off your first purchase, their largest discount ever. I'll tell you right now, it would give Imperial Armani, Giorgio Armani, Page a run for its money. So go to Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N-J-O-N-B-O-U-C-H-E-R.com. Use the code Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, and save 25% off. Link is in the description below. Or I mean, they were yeah, yeah sound engineers that did record albums. They did commercials. I mean, there were tons and tons of recording studios. I mean, the recording industry was huge at that point. And that's what I wanted to do. So there was no school to learn. You had to learn on the job. And how easy is it to get a job? You know, you cut just out of high school and you, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. So I decided, let me get a background in electronics just so I know something. So I went to RCA Institutes at the time. It was called RCA Institutes, Electronic School, and I got a degree in electronic um, engineering. And out of school, when I was graduating, that I p- applied myself to, that school. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I knew I, wasn't, I couldn't fuck around anymore. You paid attention on that. Yeah, I paid attention. <laughs> and... Um, as I'm graduating, the the job the the school had a jobs board posted. On the jobs board was um, a job in a recording studio, not as an engineer, obviously. Basically, sweep up and hang around the recording studio and duplicate tape, like intern, do what yeah. nobody else wants to do. That's right, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> you know, but get the experience of being there and everything. Ninety else. bucks a week. In 1974. Pretty good for 1974, right? 90 bucks bucks a week in 1974. Um, I said, fuck it. I'm in the studio. Why, you know, I got to do this. I was living at home still. I was 21 years old. Um, And back then, what did did it cost to rent, say, a one-bedroom studio in New York? Oh, I don't fuck the way. I'm just just trying (laughs) to compare, like, if you're making 90 a week, what would that be now? Um, what year did you say? Seventy four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had it, it couldn't have cost more than three hundred a month, you know, for a, a studio apartment. But that was your dream, so fuck it. But so I was living at home still, and you're living at home, so it's all yeah. pocket money. I, yeah, yeah, I, you know, well, whatever. It was, <laughs> you know, gas was fifty cents a gallon. <laughs> Why'd you say <laughs> less than that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we'll say it too many times when we get shot. Nixon was president. <laughs> 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 um, so you do the intern, you're sweeping up everything, you're cutting tape. I'm learning how to duplicate tape. I'm, the guys were really nice at work that I work with, you know, do this, do this. And, and, and in my t- spare time, I was like, I was down in the studio. We have two floors, one floor to duplicating and one was the studio's uh, floor. I was down in the studios and just watching and, you know, learning from all these guys. And in less than a year, I was an engineer. I was just working my ass off. Do it. Learn, learn, learn. These guys were like, you're a whiz kid. <laughs> you know, and my boss was great. He hired me. And he was like, 
Yeah, you're going to be an engineer, and, and then less than a year, I was an engineer. Now, with that, when when you became an engineer in less than an, a year, yeah, <clears throat> how much of the schooling that you paid attention to yeah. did you did did you actually apply to being none of it? Maybe ten percent. <laughs> really, 10%. even that. Yeah, maybe ten percent. Even so, nothing. Funny. Really, nothing. Um, even but then. it was good. I had a background in electronics. Yeah. If something would break i kind of would have some indication of okay it's a resistor at that point and we had resistors and capacitors and uh, you had to solder things together <laughs> you know there weren't chips that you just plug them in um you had actual wiring that you had to do um but yeah that's so i was an engineer and it, it, it was all you know i had to learn the physical movements of cutting tape and um and and, and that kind of thing and learning how to operate the machinery, but the basics that, and I try to tell everybody who's, who's interested in the career, the basics are listening. That's your job. You're an audio engineer. You gotta listen for the right sound of what you are looking for or what the people that you're working for are looking for. That's it. You gotta know everything else, but the most important thing is to listen. So. And I would think also not get too caught up in what's going on. So, for instance, let's just say, uh, like, an older guy that I know of, and I know you know of, like Imus. Yeah. Say you're the sound guy for Imus, and you really like Imus. You can't be too focused on what Imus is doing. you got to focus no. on you got to listen. You can, Talk you, the show. You can't. Yeah. You're not even concentrating on the content. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. You're concentrating on the actual sound of the content. You you could give a shit what's going on content wise, but you're trying to get the best sound out of what you're what you're doing music, you know voice whatever you're doing. You're trying to make it the best that it can be. So yeah, fuck what's going on with musically, um, in terms of the content, and fuck what's going on in terms of who whoever's speaking. You're just looking for the quality of the sound, and that's not only what I did. <clears throat> if you listen to the content, you fucked. No, because you're not paying attention to what you're doing then. Right, because you're not, especially with something like music, because you got to really play with it with music back then or no? Oh, yeah. I didn't do a lot of music because the studio I got that job in was more um, commercials and educational uh, materials and stuff. And back then, there were no videos. There were no, we, we, there were no VH, VHSs. There was nothing. They would do these multimedia slide <laughs> presentations it sounds like you really liked on those <laughs> <laughs> well they were educational they'd go to schools i don't know if you ever went to school and you saw they they would have a slide projector and they would have sound and they would sync up and that's what i did in that studio yeah you know, they would they you would you would hit these tones that would be on a separate track that would trigger the pictures to go along with the um the voice so that's how i learned i mean you know but yeah. it was a great learning experience you know it wasn't just they didn't throw me into the fire, so to speak. Eventually did, we were only had four tracks at the time in the studio. One called Scully, S-C-U-L-L-Y, who made all, mostly um, the two and the four tracks, Vin, uh, not Vin, but the guy's first name, I can't remember, but it was Scully was his last name. He designed these machines. So four tracks was basically all we had. At the point, at that point, they were just coming out with eight and sixteen, but we didn't have that yet. I mean, the Beatles—if you think about it, 
I find that Sgt. Pepper's is the most miraculous recording ever done. It was done with two four-track machines, separate machines that were synced together to make eight. And what's a four-track machine? You can only record four tracks, you know. Oh, shit. Now, like today, it's unlimited, you know, because it's all digital. You can record 2,000 tracks. Like you put, you know, separate things. You record the piano on one or two, drums go on like two, th two tracks or four tracks, depending on what the mix that you want. Today we would call it a timeline, right? You would put four different timelines. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, yeah. I get it. So, I get it now. You know, it, it, yeah, we used half-inch tape, and then the, when they came out with the eight tracks, you used one-inch tape. It's that thick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so the Beatles, Sgt. Pebbles, when they did that was, and then if you saw the Beatles documentary on Apple. Yeah, I did. They had to use they had to use George Harrison's eight track machine because the company didn't even have one to give to the Beatles. Oh. I, I mean that's that's crazy. But when they did when they did um, Sgt. Pepper's, it was done on two four track machines, synced up together. And then I mean the the engineering on that album is just amazing for the time. It was done in '67 with just limited limited equipment. Way done way before the time that. It right. was capable of being That's right. done. It right? was they were pushing they were pushing the the limits of what they can do, oh. and you can't tell it's so perfect. It's just amazing, and you still hear it today. Yeah, it's, that's what's not. You still <laughs> hear it today in twenty two. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that, I I found at that point in my life, and there, there may be others that came along that were better, but for that point, it was like holy crap, this is unbelievable what they did to record that album. And then what, once you became a sound engineer, <clears throat> what was your first job? Well, that was my first job. Or I mean it, after that, I'm it, sorry. In the studio. I worked there for I don't know, six, seven years, getting experience, and then, then um, moved to another studio and then worked there. And then my first radio job was probably 1982 at WABC, Back to that, back to that, really, back yeah. to that, WABC, where I got my first radio experience in 1967, so 1982, here I am, I get hired by WABC, Funny. <laughs> and, and P WPLJ, which was the FM affiliate, uh, they, you know, both together, owned by ABC, and <laughs> the fir my first day on that job was the last day of music radio. Really? Oh. Yeah, they killed music in 1982 in New York because AM was dead for music at that point. I told you, FM took over. Yeah, like when I grew up, we would always put AM on for sports and news. Right, right. We'd always listen to the Phillies. Exactly. It was 610, yeah. w WIP. Right, WIP. Yeah, you know that. Now we have FAN in New York and there's, oh, there's millions of others right now. But yeah, there were... so. AM was converting to talk and sports and stuff like that, and news and FM was the big thing. So, But I worked for an AM and an FM station. So the first day was the last day of music radio. I got I met the DJs were still working there that I met in 1967. <laughs> like Cousin Brucey was still there and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, so that was my first job in radio. And then I worked for four years there and got experience in radio and kind of did, you know, it was interesting and... Um, now, like in '82, could you swear? Could you say the F word? Couldn't like, say anything. Nothing. They no, were strict. No. It was. You real couldn't tight. say damn. You shouldn't. 
you really couldn't say God. I mean, really? they, they didn't want anything like that. Uh, yeah. I thought it, I thought it would be loose. I no, not in '82. No. It was still, it was still very, very tight. And then in '86, you move on. You get another job. You become the engineer of that. That's correct. And then <clears throat> with that, now, now, what are you dealing with then? Because that's cassette tapes. Is that what you were using? Well, we we used still using quarter inch tape to record bits and stuff. You know, we could. I mentioned where I worked. That's <laughs> up to you. you know, I, was, I worked at a station called K-Rock with yeah. at Howard Stern, and I worked for the Howard Stern Show, and uh, a great experience, obviously. And, you know, I didn't know at the time what it was. I didn't know Howard. I didn't. He had been fired from NBC in New York. I wasn't really a listener of his because I was working at other radio stations, so I didn't really have time. But he was on. I was working, so I didn't get to know him. Um, but yeah, we, well, I should ask now that that's okay. How did you fall? How did you even get called about that job? How did that it's amazing. job even fall into it's your really, hands? It's really, really, so you know when they say it's not, you don't only have to be good, you have to be lucky. Yeah. I have both going for me at the time. I was good, but you had to get lucky. So at working at ABC, I got to know a lot of, know a lot of the DJs and everything. And then the FM station was changing its format. They were AOL rock, A, AOR rock and roll. Album-orientated rock is what they called it back then, AOR. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. Um, it was just, you know, album cuts from, from radio. So at the end of 85 or maybe the end of 84, it was switching their format from AOR to pop. When when the Michael Jackson album came back, Thriller came out, that was like, this is like everything, you know. Eddie Van Halen was on the album, so it was kind of like a rock pop kind of thing. So now I was four when that came out, <coughs> so I I don't even remember. I remember Dan, you know, getting the the yeah. the shit when Bad came out and all yeah. that other shit. <clears throat> but how big when that pop when that came out? That, I mean that, that album just took over everything. Took over. It took over everything. It it kind of m melded all kinds of music together mm. for that few years in there. Um, yeah, when he when he put Van Halen on it, made it dance and rock and pop and everything going on on that album was amazing. It just uh, you know was just such a a different sound at the time take away whatever <clears throat> people say about him michael jackson the performer the singer the sound how special was he as far as that well i mean he was incredibly creative and and he went so far as to change the music industry like the beatles did um you know when they came along like zeppelin when they came along zeppelin. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um so he was one of those innovators that just took it to the next level. Uh, not as far as rock and roll, but, you know, including Van Halen, who were pretty big at that point themselves in the early 80s. Um, into his music it was like an incredible thing. Boom, shot him right up. Right, yeah. Um, so that was like in 84. So the station decided to change its format to pop. Okay, whatever. Okay, um, they started firing all the DJs. 
all the rock and roll, you know, FM, deep voiced guys, you know, and I knew them all. So another year goes by, excuse me, and then uh, I get laid off of where I was because they were bought out and they were laying off people. I didn't have a lot of seniority. But, but I knew a few people that had worked for this went to work for this station called 92.3 K-Rock. K-Rock. <laughs> Nobody New- doesn't know K-Rock, I don't think, on the planet. <laughs> right. In New York, the, the jo- a couple of the jocks who were at, at um, PLJ were working at this new station called 92.3 K-Rock. So um, I called my buddy Jimmy Fink. I said, Jim, if you get any, find out if there's any engineering jobs or whatever... You let me know. Okay, we'll let you know. So it turns out, at the beginning of 86, I get a call from my friend. He says, Howard Stern is working here. He's in the afternoons, but he's going to mornings in February, and they're looking for a new engineer for him for morning show. I said, and they want to they interview you. I said, okay, great. Went in for my interview. Somewhere in early January of 86, my wife's pregnant. I'm out of a job. We're broke. I mean, we're, we're fucking broke. Um, You'll fucking do whatever at this point. Yeah, whatever whatever you want me to do, I'm here. I'm, just give me his fucking job. We're fucking Sibby and whatever it may be, right? <laughs> and I didn't know. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know. So on, uh, I, I know the date, and I'll tell you why I know the date. On February 7th, 1986... My son was born. Oh, congratulations. Okay. I'm at the hospital. It was my wife had to have a C section. There's a blizzard raging outside. Just a true story. Blizzard raging outside. I'm at the hospital. So back in nineteen eighty six, there was no cell phones, right? There was nothing. <laughs> there was not we were lucky, you know, to to have enough quarters to use the payphone. And they, by, by the way, they were a quarter by then. They used to be a dime. <laughs> um, we need a Back to the Future time travel. Machine. We do. Yeah. Back to the Future. It's the flux capacitor. Yeah. Um, what, what the fuck happened with Doc? Doc. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Back to the Future. Here we Your go. prediction hey. was a little fucked up. That was like 2018. They said we were going to be flying around. Yeah, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> well, maybe they're just trying to make the most money they can out of this bullshit until they release it. So. Uh, we had we did have things called answering machines <laughs> that were these big clunky machines that used cassettes to record cassettes ladies and gentlemen yeah <laughs> that yeah. to record um a, a, like a, a message it's just voicemail basically but it's a big clunky machine that you had a, you could do it you could call the machine remotely and listen to your messages so i called the machine to see if cuz i had just had a baby kid was just born to see if I had any messages. So there was a message on my machine from my friend Jimmy Jimmy Fink, the DJ, saying, you got the job at K-Rock. They want you to start Monday. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Really? <laughs> so I'm like, holy crap. My wife's in the hospital. I just had a baby. I got this job. I had no idea what the fuck it was going on. <laughs> but... That's how I got the job, and that's how I was notified I got the job. I went in Monday, and I said, this is great. Nice to meet everybody. I got to take off tomorrow. My wife's coming home with my baby, <laughs> and uh, 
and went and from there we were on in the afternoons and then we went to mornings and uh nothing but fantastic the rest of the way and then say like the first eight years till you know like 95 mm -hmm. like what what were you doing well basically i would record everything that we do bits and, and commercials and you know whatever we needed to record for the show and just making audio whatever they needed to record and mixing bits you know sound effects and music and <clears throat> recording ids and cutting uh best of tapes for you know replays and I, say, I bet you love the best of tapes that <laughs> was a bitch to cut them up but uh so can you just show me one time how you cut them so you would take this well okay you, what's under, so this this is about a little this is wider than a quarter inch this is half inch but you know some cassettes I had to, I had to um, cut too when they would break or you had a cassettes were like a, a nightmare. Can I you mean, imagine dealing with this shit again? No, <laughs> I had to pull out tape. You know, in the it's an original cutting of of audio tape. It was cutting quarter inch tape. Yeah, I can't even open this. But I got it for I talked yeah, to guys in the film industry. They used to. I mean, I I came in and I did a beta to beta and DVC pro beta to DVC pro. Yeah. But before that, they were splicing film together and stuff for actual video right. too. I'm like, man, I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. So and, this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is a cassette, and you see how thin that is. That's an eighth of an inch. Okay. That tape is an eighth of an inch wide. A lot of times we would deal with broken ones, and if you notice, there's screws. Most of them had screws, so you would unscrew it, take the top off, and you had to... <laughs> I mean, seriously, we didn't even have cassette splicing tape. I had to cut in half the quarter-inch splicing tape to make it an eighth of an inch, so I could splice together these goddamn things. Um, they sounded like shit, <laughs> and... But we used a lot of them. But quarter-inch tape was basically what we used to the high-quality stuff. So quarter-inch tape, let's say that's quarter-inch tape. We get a shot of this? I don't know. Yeah, you can see it. So I'm going to lay it down. This, Let's say the tape is in a splicing block. You got a pen? Yeah, I got a pen right here. Okay. So you would rub the tape on the head. You'd rock, you'd rock the machine back and forth. And you'd find the spot you wanted to cut at. Then with a grease pencil, you had a white grease pencil. You'd mark the spot like that, okay? Then you'd take the tape off the head. It was on the head, and you were rocking it back and forth with the, with the reels. Put it in a splicing block. And then you'd, you wouldn't take scissors. We didn't use scissors. We used razor blades. Oh, jeez. I used one of those carton cutters. That's the best thing you can use as an engineer because... If you use just a single-edge razor blade, you would have to put it down. You can always hold a, a razor knife in your hand and keep going. That's how I was faster than everybody else. Because you have to put it down. I didn't have to put it down and cut, go. So you take it and you make a diagonal cut in the splicing block. You would pull off from the left side what you didn't need. it go on the floor. <laughs> Sometimes... It, be that high <laughs> when you're cutting out takes and shit you don't need then you get to the other point you rock it you mark it you cut it now you got two separate pieces of tape with a slice that's 45 degrees and then you take the splicing tape off the dispenser tape it together 
and put it back, and you're you're right there. So you were, and I do that in really quicker than anybody else could do it. So you were hoping for no mess ups, I guess, right? Like if well, you're doing something like God, don't fucking mess up. <laughs> well, that was always true, but you always had a backup plan. My my um, paste and copy was on the floor, so if I actually cut out a piece that it said, oh, fuck, I needed that piece to be in the in the script. I would actually go back on the floor, put it back together, oh. <laughs> pull it all off the floor. Can you imagine? Like spaghetti, and find the piece I needed. And that's the copy and paste was on the floor. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> that does not sound like right click and uh, left click. No. Copy and paste. That's it. That's <laughs> <some serious laughs> shit. Right hand was right click. <laughs> left hand was left. Where is that tape now? I know it's down here somewhere. <laughs> and it's all stringed up the whole three hours of tape that's wound up. You're trying to find it? Yeah, you're trying to find it. Many times that happened. Um, but at that point, it was a skill. You had to, I mean, you had to really know what you were doing. Oh, yeah. You know, in order to be able to edit tape. And, you know, editing tape was probably the most um, confusing of the job or intricate part of the job. Mixing and recording, that was the easy part. <laughs> you know? Nothing, yeah. Did yeah, the, ever... the cutting w was a bitch I mean, sometimes because you had to be intricate and you had to cut a lot of... I mean, if you if you had something, if somebody was reading a script and they did this part over and over and over and over and over, you got to find the right take and you got to you got to write it down as you're going, and then you got to find it and mark it and cut it and put it together. Um, and there was no saving really; like the saving was on the floor. <laughs> so if I had to save something that I if I knew I had would probably have to go back if it wasn't like a quick thing. So every time you made an edit, you would roll, instead of rolling it on the floor, you would roll it onto another reel. Save that tape. Mark it in case you have Put it on another reel. He had all the outtakes. I always, for Howard, I always saved all the outtakes. Never throw anything away. Always record, never throw away. That's the thing. Never stop recording and never throw away anything. That was the that was the uh, the credo. And was the reason for that so you had plenty to play with if needed? Tape? Yeah, so you had plenty you had plenty yeah. of options. Always had tape. Yeah. Blank tape. Did you ever fuck up like really bad? Like we're not oh, yeah. bad, but where it was like it would say something and then like but, oh, because maybe you made the wrong cut or did something wrong. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, I would catch it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't you know, but uh, yeah, I've put together things that, you know. And uh, the best part of it was was making like you could do it today very easily and you don't need a lot of training, but making words out of Different words. Mm -hmm. If you want to make somebody say fuck, and they really didn't say fuck, yeah, yeah. you really had to work on it. Yeah, you you yeah, could do that on truck. a, a like, yeah, like truck. Yeah, you could do that on a digital editor in two seconds right now. But to to make it happen on tape, oh you were dealing with little bits of yeah. tape like this, you know, to cut together, and you'd have four or five splices that oh went like God. that long to get one word. Right, just so you <laughs> yeah. could get somebody to say fuck that would never say fuck. That's correct. So you got to get that. Uh, that's, that's correct. And tape correct. all that together and then mix it in. Whoa. I remember. <laughs> Whoa. When, when that's the, a Nobel Prize right yeah. there, buddy. <laughs> when the OJ uh, trial was oh, happening. Yeah. Um, and he would come out. This was an easy one, but it was on tape. We didn't have digital at that point. 
It was just digital was just coming into its own. He said, I am 100% completely not guilty. What a, that was a paraphrasing. But I turned it into, I'm 100% guilty. <laughs> 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 and there was some guy who was testifying at the OJ trial. I, I, this sticks in my mind. I'm sorry. And it, the guy's name was, he was an Indian or something, and he had a last name that was like 27 letters long. And they asked him to say, could you spell that out? So he'd repeat, and he had an accent. He'd go, A, I, Cha, B. So he... <laughs> He read all these letters, so we just- That's I just like a kept, home run for you, right? Yeah, I just kept making loops of, it would go on for like a half hour. <laughs> the guy didn't stop <laughs> repeating his name. I mean, but that's like, imagine the word, the letter A, it's just, it's just long. You got to keep cutting and cutting and cutting to make it like a loop. Right, like I'm imagining being in a dough premiere or final cut like we use now and trying to just get that one millisecond mm -hmm. right. of- Right, and then trying to get another millisecond of oh, now I then mean, taping that, it together, and, and now it, now try pasting it together with tape physically, yeah, physically. Ugh. Okay, and another another trick was loops. Okay, you know how it's easy to loop something in digital. Okay, and I just replay. okay. We had a <laughs> yeah. you, you know what my loops was? I'll what? tell you what my loop is. <laughs> yeah. Let's say um, okay, so I'd record thirty seconds of audio. That's my loop. But it was two ends. It started and it finished. Now, how do you make that loop? You take the tape off the machine. You, you take the tape off the reels. You splice the two ends together. Now there's your loop. You stretch out the 30 seconds of tape across the room onto a coat rack. Oh, oh my shit. God. And you press play on the machine. I'm and the tape going around. The tape kept going around and around and that was your loop oh my god wow <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> did, did you save any like of the old thing like do you have any old tapes at your house still or anything like that or, um that, was all, that company would have that i guess right yeah i don't have anything yeah. I, I was they weren't mine so i couldn't save any of that do stuff. you think they still have them some i mean oh i know they're they're they can have they an archive. archives yeah yeah that's cool yeah now in that first 10 years like 86 to 96 uh-huh how did you see the show prog progress? I was, it was incredible because, I, like I said, I didn't know who what he you was. What were walking into. What I was walking into. <laughs> I had no clue, really. No clue. Um, and all, My first day there, I walked into the studio when it was on the air because I was always in the studio when I was engineering on with board ops on my other jobs. And I wanted to walk in and see his process of working because it did help for me to know to see actually what he was doing in the studio so I can help him if something went wrong or I can help him in in different areas of whatever he needed in, in audio or, or something like that and in 86 <clears throat> who was all there well it was the same I mean <clears throat> Robin uh, Howard and Robin and Jackie and Fred and and Gary oh Gary was there oh. and that was it yeah and then me so I walk in the studio during his show, and I'm looking around, and he's like, who the fuck are you? Well, he didn't say fuck, but he, he wanted to say fuck. <laughs> and fucking get out of here. That's what he wanted to say. Um, he said, who are you? I said, I'm Scott, your new engineer. And we had met, I think. No, we hadn't met yet. 
I said, I'm just coming in to see how you do your show. Well, that was the end of that. It was like, well, you don't come in during my show. Uh, you don't. When I'm doing a live show, you do not come in the studio. I'm like, oh, oh okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know, but I like to see how, how things operate. He goes, you don't need to see, just listen. You'll know how to do it. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> so that that was my first day. I was on the air before I even knew it. I walked out of there like, what just happened? <laughs> so, yeah. Then you go back, and then how does it, in 86 to like 89, how is it? What? Things were like crazy during that time because the show just kept growing and growing, and we would be on the air, and I he would call me in to like do stupid things or you know do bits and stuff or what happened to that tape? Where's that tape? I'm waiting for it. I want to you know I want to analyze this tape or that tape. So, um, yeah. So and the show kept growing. We added like Philly and we added Washington D.C. and it became incredible. And we did a funeral down in Philly. For the for the zookeeper, mm -hmm. um, and they put me in a coffin dressed as a zookeeper with a, <laughs> a big mustache and a <laughs> and a Hawaiian shirt. Oh my God. Who came up with that idea? Do you remember? Oh, it was probably Jackie and Howard. Everybody was like, you know, we we're having a funeral for you know Debella, and uh, you're gonna dress up as Debella, and you know, we'll put you in a coffin in front of the press conference. <laughs> Great. All Can't right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> There we go. Uh, that was, I mean, you know, and the show just kept growing and growing. It was like amazing. It was like in Philly when we did the funeral at Rittenhouse Square, oh, right. we had like 10,000 people there. And then we did this stage show. And then when we were done with the stage show, we had a car waiting for us behind the stage, a limo. And I tell you, we made it into that limo barely with our lives. They, you don't see the Beatles pictures, the rocking the limo. Yeah. They were rocking the limo, literally rocking the limo wow. for, for Howard in Philadelphia. I mean, we could barely get out of there. Until that happened, did you realize how big the show no, was? No, 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 not at all. I mean, I knew we were getting big, but I mean, that was like crazy. That's rock star. Show. That's rock star. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. rock star. And then shortly after, we went on in L.A., which, yeah, was, I remember, uh, which was huge, and we went out there and had a funeral out there. Who was that guy? Who played the funeral on that one? No, I didn't again? play the funeral. There was a, there was a <laughs> oh, team. There was a team of they. I forget their names. I can't. I can't remember their names. But we beat them, and we had a, an awesome show out there. And Jessica Hahn and Leslie West was out there, and I was just at, at, at that point we were we were rock stars. I mean, we were literally we were rock stars. Now, when you went there in '86, mm -hmm. in your gut, or maybe '89, did you? Did you inside? Did you know that this is going to be something no. huge? You didn't. I had no idea. No idea. Not when I started. Yeah, you, you know, didn't, but you in, didn't see it. In a, in a year or two, I said, "This is crazy. This is different. This is this is wild." I mean, he was always pushing the limit of of <laughs> what you could do on the radio, always. Um, and it was it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. It was like <laughs> unbelievable of to go through this. And actually being there and seeing this happen right before your eyes. Almost like a, what, what would you say, like a, a, a change in time? Like you were part of a change in time. Yeah, it was a pop, pop culture change. Because yeah. radio was always news, sports, music. Yeah, music. It was dull. It was, you know, whatever. You, you turn it on. You, you get some news. You get some weather. You get some music. So did you guys like 
when you're thinking of all this this stuff, like it blew up, right? Howard Stern show went crazy. It blew up. Are you guys, you know, what are your hours like? And after you know shifts technically shift over, right? Are mm-hmm. you guys sitting down discussing ideas? Like yes. Who's coming up with the ideas? Is it kind of like a team effort? Do you have a creative guy more? Or is it like everybody's sitting down like, let's try this, let's do this? And how many hours are you putting in a day, would you say, at that time in the prime? I mean, I know you're not working from, okay, starts at 7 o'clock and you're done at 9 o'clock. No. You're, you're going. No, the show started at 6. I was in the studio by 4 every day, 4 a.m. Yeah. Um, and what time are you ending at? Or would you guess? Well, my, 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 technically, my shift was four to noon. But that never happened. <laughs> just, I mean, it would happen yeah. rarely, but <laughs> as time went on, I, you know, I was in that time period at that station. I was in a union. I had to be in the union because okay. non-union personnel weren't allowed to work equipment. Oh, really? at that point, uh, wow. Yeah, the contract was still. Relatively strong. Reagan had destroyed the unions earlier with the pilots, and he and he took unions out. So, but as the contracts went on, we got weaker and weaker, obviously. But at that point, uh, you had to be in the union to work some of the equipment. Not all the equipment, some of the equipment. <laughs> it was very very absurd the way the the rules were. Um, Do you think what made the show blow up so much was just because it was so crazy? It was just yeah, it was, it was like cutting that. edge. It was, it was nothing like it. It was nothing like it at all. Um, it was innovative. It was different. It was it was just pushing the limits of whatever you know uh, boundaries he was against. So yeah, I mean he he knew exactly what what to do. And so you know, getting back to the shift thing, so. Yeah, four to twelve was legally in my my technical shift, and then after the show, Howard and Jackie and Fred would go in to a meeting, a writing a writing meeting. They would be the writers, you know, and I would be cleaning up stuff and getting ready for the next day's show. And then they would after the show, after they're done, they come in and go, "We got a bit to record," blah 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 blah. We're gonna want it on in the morning. So we record all the voices, and I had a script, and my job basically was to figure out how to put music and sound effects into it. So the creative yeah. part for me was creating this, you know, imagination thing. Final. I, <laughs> I guess because I asked that because like people think creative people, right? Your minds are always going. You're yes. constantly thinking of stuff, doing yes. stuff. Like it's not like Howard Stern and all you guys got on air at seven o'clock, walked in at six o'clock, got on air at seven, had your fun, did your stuff. It's over at nine o'clock. You right. go home. Right. Like, exactly. Didn't happen. Made a lot of money, right? They made a lot of money over the years, but that was hard work that goes into it. Really. That. And a lot of team, I guess. A lot of team, a lot of hard work. Everybody worked their ass off. Nobody slacked. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we, we record the bit in the afternoon, uh, whatever I can get done in like one or yeah. two hours, you know, because I was two o'clock in the afternoon. I've been up since three in the morning. Correct. <laughs> or 2.30 in the morning. A lot of coffee. Back then, <laughs> yeah, a lot of coffee, and, and eventually that's you know it, it gets to you. It's, it wears you down, but yeah. that's how we did it. And then I would prepare as much as I could in that afternoon, and then at four o'clock in the morning, I'd come in and finish up. You know, you 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 wake up and you could be at going a hundred miles an hour in like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and sometimes I didn't have it finished in time for six o'clock. How'd that go? Over? Oh, that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it did. 
But you know that that's what makes the greats great. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. exceptions. Either yeah. you, you come with it all. Everybody you know. knew, like, uh, Scott, where you know, I'll be right there. I was like, uh, oh, coming, coming, almost done. <laughs> <laughs> when you were working TV, what were your supposable hours? Well, so I, I I worked a few different shifts, but the primary shift that I worked was three uh, thirty a.m. to uh, say noon. Yeah. And uh, but I would get into the station at like two thirty in the morning. And depending on what the news of the day or if it was something crazy, big, big, big story, I mean, I might not get home till 3 or 4 in the afternoon from 2.30. And then, you know, got young kids. Wife didn't, you know. I know. Yeah, that's exactly. Eight quick, (laughs) fell asleep, and was back up again. My bedtime was before my kids' bedtime. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra. Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to MonsterEnergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast, Monster Energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, 8 o'clock, I was in the in the bed, 8 o'clock at night. I was like, okay, <laughs> time to sleep. Dinner was at like 5, 4.30, 5 dinner. I'm like, it's hard to get used to. Um, cause I had only worked like a nine to five, even though I was in studios and, but when I was at ABC, I did, cause I was new, I started out at the overnight shift, which was a great shift by the way, because of the unions at that point, you'd work, you start at midnight and you'd be done by 6.30 AM because they would give you that extra hour and a half you had as lunch and break times at the oh, end. Wow. Oh, cool. So you basically work Don. six and a half hours from midnight to 6.30, you were done. Don, ah. Go home and sleep till noon? Go home and sleep. Yeah, you got it all day. It was a great shift, believe it or not. They got used to it. But then they said, you're so good, we can't leave you on the overnight. So they yeah. put me in the morning shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Like a> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> then I had to work eight hours. And cutting tape and, and right. trying to find a spaghetti roll right. tape exactly. of one tiny piece for an F, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I never knew I would be part of the show. I was always behind the scenes. You know, I didn't know what Howard did and got people involved. So yeah, I became part of the show. I became a character on the show, staff member, and you know, it was you know just a ride I was along, going along with. You know, doing my job as I was supposed to do my job, and he just brought everybody in and up the level of everything. And then how did it go with the order of people that came? Like, you came in, who was after you? Yeah, Stuttering you know, some John. Some of the ones that we all know. Stuttering yeah. John was after me. Oh, God help him. <laughs> John. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, he's our buddy. He's, <laughs> he's our my buddy. Yeah. Um, Good heart. Great Stuttering heart. John had nightmares, nightmares, nightmares. So, <laughs> so, like I said, we had these cassettes. Okay. Stuttering, we... <laughs> We would ha- he when he did his interviews, and he's very very famous and unbelievable interviews that he did out on the street. He would record them on a cassette like this. Okay, that's all we had to go out remotely. Okay, portably, cassettes. That was it. 
Um, and he would come back at two in the morning with these interviews. <laughs> and he'd leave me a note. Okay. So most of these cassettes were called C90s, which meant 45 minutes on each side. Okay. And you didn't have timing counters at that point. You just had counter counters, <laughs> zero to 100 or zero. But John, he never knew what he did. He would either leave the whole thing rolling Ugh. and never shut the tape off, or he'd pause it and then at some point, and he'd leave me a note and say, oh, this person's at 20 minutes into the, John, 20 minutes in? How do I fucking find 20 minutes in? How do I find one minute of 20 minutes in? <laughs> or 30 minutes in? Ugh. Because you could not time. Right, there's no digital There's no digital counter. Yeah. There's, a, there's a zero to whenever counter. You probably wanted to kill him. <laughs> and some of them were, the quality was crappy, and then I had to fix the quality up, and then by the time I got it, I had to copy that off the quarter-inch quarter tape, and then I had to edit that and fix the quality, and then put that on cart for. Uh, we had cartridges that looked like they eight tracks. You sure he's your buddy? <laughs> Double the word. <laughs> he knows. He knows every moment of that oh, nightmare sure he that he does. gave me. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find this shit, and Howard's screaming like, "Where is that interview that John did?" I'm like, "I'm working on it." <laughs> <laughs> Was John John the day that you met John? Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Never changed. No. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he was John was John. Um, but I I gotta tell you he was great. He had balls. He had balls. He had balls. He they would give him questions and he would just read those questions without a blink of an eye. Um and it, it was amazing. <laughs> the reactions. Yeah. Who was after John that was around that still that stuck around a long time? There wasn't one that was, you know, a couple years and then gone. <sighs> Now, I always think of you, Gary, Fred, Jackie, even though, you know, he left, well, but he was there for a Artie, Artie was there for a long time. Artie Lang. Oh, yeah. See, to me, he didn't. it didn't seem like he was there that long. It was like 10 but years. I was in now. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I I think I had taken a break with uh, Howard, and then when he went to Sirius, I started listening again, mm -hmm. and that's when I knew Artie was on. Right. I think he was only with Siri on Sirius, what, like four years, maybe? Yeah. Then, uh, Something like yeah. that. Was Beetlejuice on, or was he just every so often? Was he on? Uh, he said Beetlejuice. Little Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice, yeah. Yeah, I love Beetlejuice. When, when did he pop into the picture? Beetlejuice was in the late 90s, I think. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> I love Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rod, I, every time I walk in, I see Beetlejuice. Are you the man? Yeah. You're the man. Scott, you're the man. The engineer. <laughs> and I think I might have asked you uh, between us, but- could he really not remember the next day? No. Really? He, he was really, you oh, know, he had mental issues, obviously. Oh. Um, but, yeah, he was, it was cool. Do you, you, I guess, I, you know, comparing you guys back then, right, do, would you say you're like the pioneers for guys like, because of what you did? You know, think about Johnny Knoxville and those guys, the jackasses. Right, the jackasses. And yeah. then you go now to I'm gonna go bring it up to the next one where you have the Logan brothers, the Paul, you know, Logan or Paul, whatever, Logan Paul. Mm -hmm. Them, like they do crazy stuff too. That's how they made a name. Do you think? I mean, maybe they would say this. I don't know, but that you guys, because of what you did, helped them to get their careers going too. Possibly. I mean, I mean they may say no, but in my opinion, yes. I mean, you know, I think you would have to. Yeah, we. I mean, it was a different medium. Yeah, we we didn't get onto TV till '94, but from '86, even before when I wasn't there, Howard was doing crazy shit at NBC. Um, 
we would push the boundaries, like I said. Um, and he he was just kept kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it, and that that's what's got us a, a TV show on E, the E Network, in '94. We started. He did a special, and then that's how we got on TV. And then we kept, you know, TV was really limited in terms of what they can do and you know because you know how many strippers o'clock at night i, I watched it every night <laughs> 11 o'clock yep. with my high school sweetheart <laughs> yeah. actually you I remember know. 11 o'clock you know how many strippers we had oh we, I'm yeah not... <laughs> naked and you know and so you couldn't censored out it was censored out I remember you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't show it but yeah we would you know do as much as we could obviously and uh the craziness just went on and on and on it got crazier probably after we started being on tv now, when did your life start to get better? When, when was, better? <laughs> well, easier hardware-wise. When did uh, soundboards start to come out? Where you had a soundboard and and you could use that? <sighs> Probably uh, late '90s, early 2000s. I think my first computer that I had um, worked on it was a it was actually a Roland sound station. A digital sound station that I got, we got it in like '99, I think, early 2000. It was its own piece of equipment. It was eight tracks of uh, digital. Ooh. Pro Tools is already out in this huge machine, but we they didn't want to spend the money that whatever that cost uh, at the time. So, ah, that wouldn't have helped a little bit earlier. <laughs> no, wouldn't have helped uh. the biggest radio show in the country, but <laughs> yeah, the well, company didn't want to didn't want to uh, spur, spring for the big dollars. Would that happen to be a guy named Tom that didn't want to do that? I uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe I don't no. know if it's his fault altogether, but you know, eventually he was the one that had to say no. Um, <laughs> so they got i mean it was digital and i started working digitally in the late 90s early 2000s finally got the 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 predecessor to adobe audition was cool edit was called cool edit it was around 2000 that we started using that so that's when digital started happening and i was like wow this is cool <laughs> cool wow. well look the at future. this uh, the future is here 5 years late but the future is here <laughs> <laughs> back to the future now when you guys went to e and now you have to deal with that that's your job too then right well well yeah i mean because you're doing the radio and then you're doing the video i'm not doing video they had a separate crew i mean crew. the sound though but I, the sound was the sound they oh, would just okay. take a feed from us we give them a one, one cable feed basically of audio. Did it, did <laughs> you know? it change though? When you went to TV, I always imagined like you listen to the radio or mm-hmm. listen to the radio. I always had a vision in my head of what the person looked like. So I'm listening to the radio, and I maybe I'd hear your voice, mm-hmm. and I'd have this image of what you look oh, like. Oh boy! <laughs> and it, you know, then maybe when I see I'm, I see you on TV, I'm like, oh my god, it's totally different. It's not what I. What yeah, I thought. it's everybody. Did you ever get people to say that to you? Like, oh man. Yeah, you're not what I yeah. listen to. <laughs> Everybody has that too. Yeah. I have it too. It's like some people I'll see and you know, and I'll hear them on the radio, and then I see them, I'm like, oh, not <laughs> not not what I thought. You know, <laughs> if I hear a hot chick on the radio and then I meet her in person, it's like, uh, if she sounds really hot on the radio yeah. and then she's not when Seriously, you meet her, like, wow. uh, oh, how did that, was, that how did that happen? <laughs> my, my radar was all from that one. Huh? You got a voice for radio. Yeah, really. <laughs> you got a face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so, when does when do you guys actually spend the money on pro Pro Tools? When we got to Sirius. Oh, it, it didn't happen until then. Wow. It didn't happen at K Rock. Holy shit! We <clears throat> had uh, 
just Adobe Edition. Cool, Adobe edit. Edition. cool edit. So at K Rock and within E, give me two funny, really good stories that stick out in your head. There had to be some funny ones with E. Um, or it doesn't even have to be with E. Just something before serious that that sticks out that was really <laughs> funny and like just crazy. I mean, every, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's hard now right down the It's really hard. I did a push-up contest that was just out of control. <laughs> what was that? I had me and John, John, of course, got me in trouble. <laughs> you know, I was bad. I was really one of those pictures is really old. That one there with the wig on. Um, yeah, I'll ask you about. I'm really overweight. I'm quite overweight there. Um, so I was in bad shape, and they would like. John, they were like somebody was in the studio doing push-ups, and John was like, we were in the hallway discussing shit. He goes, "How many, <laughs> how many <laughs> push-ups do you think you could do?" I'm like, if I worked out and got into shape, maybe fifteen, because I already could do one at that point. <laughs> yeah. It was like one. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't think I can do a lot. I'm not in great shape. I'm overweight. And then he went to Howard. It's got. You know, and I said, well, he said, could you do 20? I go, no, there's no fucking way I can do 20. He's 17. I go, yeah, maybe 17 if I had time to lose weight and work out. And so John went to Howard, of course. <laughs> Scott thinks he can do 17. Uh, <laughs> so I think John kept you young. <laughs> really? Kept fucking with you. So this was around... I don't know, the beginning of November of 96, 97, some, 97 maybe. Um, yeah, 97. Okay, so Howard brings me on the air and he says, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with, you know, blah, 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 X amount of dollars. Everybody was like putting their own money in. Howard said, I'll put up 10,000. Robin said, I'll put up 10,000. <laughs> Somebody... Dominic put up five grand. Fred put up five grand. So it was like 30-something thousand it came out to. All right, we'll give you $30,000 if you can do 17 push-ups when we come back after Christmas, after the New Year, beginning of January. This was beginning of November. I'm like, okay, two months, 17 push-ups. I'd be doing fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we got this trainer, um, Radu. Radu, he was the trainer of the stars at that point. Did Geraldo, did you know a lot of people. His gym was right down the block from our studio. So I said, all right, we got we got Radu. So every day after work, imagine this, one o'clock, two o'clock. After the shift. After my shift, I'd run down to the gym. Radu would have me going wacky, going wild, losing weight, put me on a diet. Had me running in the gym, throwing, you know, balls and starting to do my push-ups, my push-ups. And then uh, I did that for six weeks and I busted my fucking ass. I busted my fucking ass. I was like, oh my God. And the show was just pumping the shit out of this, you know. Building it up. Building, building it up, up, building it up. After the new year, Scott's going to come back and see for 30 something thousand dollars if he can do 17 push-ups. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> this is... And and uh, I don't even know what my punishment. I don't even remember what my punishment would have been if I didn't. I wouldn't have gotten the money, obviously. Um, but I I needed the money at that point, and I and and I really really it was like the hardest I've ever worked in my life. And um, 
so we came back. I lost like 40 pounds wow. in two months. Still was overweight. Um, I can do push-ups in the, in the gym. Not pretty, but I could do them. So the day comes, and you know Howard, I'm waiting and waiting. He keeps me waiting and getting getting me pumped up. Keeps me waiting. Fuck him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucked Kept he's supposed to be at seven, and by the time nine nine o'clock comes around, <laughs> still waiting. I'm already tired. pumped. I'm like, <laughs> you know, give me another cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm like taking that. I'm taking creatine, creatine whatever that <laughs> shit is, you know, for, the, for the last two months, and trying to get my muscles, you know. Back to something relevant. <laughs> they hadn't been in, you know, in, in years and years. And how old was I? Like 45 at that time. Um, so day comes, I go in the studio and they have this referee and there's like a crowd. <laughs> there's a crowd. My friends are in, in a crowd. They set up stands in the studio and I'm like, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. And I start and they were ugly. <laughs> they were ugly, like they were like I, a, little wob a little wobbly, you know. I wasn't straight as an arrow, <laughs> as they say. Um, but I did. I had to do eighteen. I think once I hit the ground, so I did eighteen very ugly, very weird push-ups. But I never touched the ground on seventeen out of, the, of those. And then I, I collapsed on the floor. After that. <laughs> the referee never called me out except for once. And uh, Howard was like all pissed off. Was like those weren't push-ups. I'm like your referee, and I went fucking bananas. Everybody, it's been replayed a hundred thousand times. Um, but yeah, eventually he said, "Admit to me that those weren't real push-ups, and you'll get your money." What'd and, you do? What? What'd you do? I, well, Dominic, <laughs> Dominic Barber, our, our famous attorney, pulled me aside. And <laughs> he said. Just tell him those weren't push-ups. <laughs> did he give you the money? Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I got all the money. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was the, one of the craziest things. Another crazy thing was obviously the funeral in the casket. And then I, I had to, uh, we bet on the, the Yankees-Cleveland World Series, same year, 97. Why is that year just like, you know? The year of hell. <laughs> it was the year of hell. So Yankees were the divisional in the championship series against Cleveland, ninety-seven. And you know I'm in the studio and how it goes. So who do you think's going to win the last game, seventh game? Andy Pettit pitching for the Yankees. I'm like, uh, I think the Yankees will win. Okay, what are you going to do if the Yankees lose? Oh boy, I don't. I forget what I was gonna get if they won. But if the Yankees lose, Scott, you have to dress up in a bra and panties and go out on the street and walk up and down Fifty Sixth Street in Manhattan. Huh. That was the only year between ninety five and two thousand that the Yankees lost. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet Stuttering John was smiling from the fucking oh, side. Of course, side. of course. And Gary, oh. So I had to go out on the street in a brown <laughs> panties <laughs> and a dunce cap and walk him down for like 20 minutes. Oh, man. With a mic, you know, and was on the air. Cameras following me all over the place. And while we're at it, what is that one there, the one we were talking about earlier where you're up top with the wig? The wig. Yeah, what was yeah. that? That's it, serious. I... I I don't know why I put that wig on. There's probably a wig laying around. Somebody plopped it on my head. 
And uh, he thought that was funny, but that's definitely a serious. I could tell by the the modern equipment. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah some real equipment. Behind me, yeah. So how bad were those? You know, I remember when I was uh, listening to K-Rock with Tom and all them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I was working with uh, Man of Auto Auction, and the fines just kept coming and coming. Mm-hmm. How big were the fines? I don't or know. If you can't I, I never got involved. No, but fined a lot, though. He right? got fined. The company got fined. I don't know if he personally got fined. The company. Uh, I, I I stayed out. I stayed out of it. I was right. like, you know, I don't want to know. Just keep me working. You gotta, don't want the drama. Just I, let I, me do my job. I wanted to do fun. my job. I didn't. I didn't get involved in it. That wasn't my job to be involved with that. Now, no. before you went to Sirius, you did a little bit of comedy, right? Did you go out on like stand up with John or no, anybody? No, not no. At Sirius, I went out with stand up with Artie. With Artie, that was during during Sirius. During Sirius, yeah. Okay, so. When do you guys really decide that you're going to go to Sirius? How does that all come about? You're getting fine like hell. It's getting stricter and stricter. I remember that part. Mm-hmm. And then how does that whole transition take well, we, place? We knew nothing about it. You know, at the, it, I think in toward the end of 2004, Howard mentioned, he started talking about, I'm leaving, I'm going to Sirius. All right. And we knew nothing. Nobody knew anything. Believe me, nobody knew other than Howard. And nobody knew who was going to go along with him because hmm. he had to work out a deal. I don't know the money. He can, they have engineering there. That you know, They have other people there. Who knows? Um, so as it turns out, he kept promoting the fact that he was going to Sirius, and K-Rock kept saying, we don't want you to promote the fact that you're going to Sirius. Um, so they, they would censor him on that fact. But at, at, as it turns out, at the end, he finally revealed to the staff at the end of 2005, October maybe, or who was going to come. And he said, yeah, I want you to come. You know, I, I, I love to work with you and I want you to continue to work. And I was like, okay, great. I love it. Thank you. Cool. And then when you were with K-Rock, who did the beat button? You know, I remember that. Remember the beat button all the time? Oh, yeah. And then Tom would come on and Howard like, why would you do that? So how did, how did how how much was it delayed and how did the beep thing work? We were delayed there at like 40 seconds. Holy hell. Yeah. Make sure you could you had time yeah, to hit that well, beep. Sure. So you could hit it twice. It was segments. Because usually a delay would be seven seconds. If somebody said fuck, you had seven seconds to hit the button. <laughs> But then it would take time to build back up. The the technology was slow, so you wouldn't hear it and you wouldn't miss anything else. So they had, because we didn't just have fuck. We had, you fucking asshole motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You, you, got, you got a full <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so we... Hold it down. Well, you, you hit it and then you would have to hit it again. So because if you didn't have enough time, it would get on the air. So there were a number of people, believe it or not. It was not only Tom, and then he passed it on to other people to to do that. To hit the beat button. So a lot of people were hitting beat button. <laughs> you needed a team just for the beat button. I mean, it got. I mean, it got out eventually because Howard said somebody's hitting a button on me. Yeah. Because somebody, like Gary, or somebody would call up and say, "I didn't hear that." They they bleeped it out. Howard didn't know what was getting bleeped at the time, but until he was told by somebody. Yeah. But he wasn't happy about that. But there was a few uh, sit downs about that situation. I guess I again. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> wasn't I, my it wasn't guess. my you know area uh, to get involved with. I was not. 
Yeah, you stayed away from Concern. all that shit. No, no, no. So now, how is the transition from K Rock to Sirius? That's a hell of a move. Mm. New building, new everything. Everything was new. Take everything. me through that. Yeah, that was uh, pretty wild because we had off for um, the holidays. It was Christmas time. So he finished up like mid-December, and then we were supposed to come back January 6th, 9th, whatever that day fucking was. Um, and I had gotten the job there, but I was work- <laughs> at two jobs. I was still working at K-Rock oh, while, I was work- while I was working at... Serious. Did they know that? They knew. I told them uh, I was leaving, but they wanted me to stay and finish up some shit. So yeah, I would, <laughs> I would, the, my vacation week. I was at Sirius getting things ready, and then I came back actually at the beginning of January at K Rock and worked like a week to finish out my job while I was working at Sirius. Very cool, by the way. <laughs> well, it's very cool that you went back and finished it and just didn't run. Yeah, because you know? they had hired David Lee Roth to follow Howard, you know, when yeah. Howard left. <laughs> so I was kind of like, tr- David came to me and he said, can you show me how to work some of this equipment? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was something called an instant replay with the sounds, all the sound drops and everything. And So I'm teaching David Lee Roth how to, how to work this equipment. <laughs> I couldn't sing, but I can show him how to work. Yeah. <laughs> I said, can you tell me how you go, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was cool. And How then, long did that show last? Not long. Yeah, only a couple of years. That that didn't do well at all. Nah. It's hard to follow Howard in that show. Yeah, and but what happened with Bubba? Remember Bubba Wolf Sponge? Yeah, Bubba came on to Sirius when Howard came, like a short time later, because he had two channels. He had he had Scott Farrell and he had Bubba Love Sponge, and they uh, again. I don't know. The particulars on, you know, they were good while they were there, and I don't know why they left. I yeah. it wasn't my job to get involved with that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, that was good. You know, Bubba, I liked and got yeah, to know Bubba, so. Bubba really well. And uh, then Brent, eventually Brent, who was Bubba's producer, came to work at the Howard Stern show, um, probably in the early teens. You know, 13, 14, somewhere, I'm not exactly sure, 15, I can't even keep track. Um, but he came to work for us on the Howard Stern Show, Brent Hadley. How fun was it working with Artie Lang? Artie was the greatest you can imagine. He, he just seemed so nice and funny and all, but, just a great guy. But, but yeah. you know the but, yeah. and the but is, he was an angry drug addict. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. When he got wasted, he didn't want to know him. You didn't want to know him. Um, and then when he was straight, he was like the best. I mean, he took me on this tour of a com- well, one show in Cleveland, a comedy a comedy show. I worked out a five minute bit. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah, with material and everything, and <laughs> it was the worst. Three thousand people in, in this theater. Still. I got wasted backstage. I kept drinking. I just kept drinking. I was like so fucking nervous. And I went out there. Of course, I got booed. Of course, I got booed. You know, boo, boo, boo. And like Artie comes out and he's like, uh, I think we should cut this off right now. I, I was out there five or 10 minutes, but it was great. It was awesome. So now when you get to Sirius, you got Artie, you have everything going on. You got all this new cool technology all and cool. Pro Tools. Pro Tools. So now you have to learn everything new again. Uh yeah, we had we had 
Adobe Audition at that point. We still had that, you know, because that's what most people can operate easily. It was a very um, user-friendly interface uh, and very easily adaptable to people that were learning or had to do stuff like that. Pro Tools was actually a lot more complicated, very complicated. <laughs> I still, to this day, couldn't tell you everything that it does because it does a million things. Um, you learn what you have to learn as you have to learn it. I need to do this. Okay, I'll learn how to do that. I need to do that. I'll learn how to do that. You can't learn everything that it does in, in whatever. you got to be actually using those <laughs> effects or whatever to learn how to use them. So as you approach those effects and like, I need to do this, so how do we do this? So I'll figure that out. Okay. So that's how I learned how to do it. Can you pull up uh, tab three and then two? <clears throat> now- why do people do you think so? That's Pro Tools, uh, right? Oh, to be so what the hell? That's is an all, that's a work of art to me. <laughs> it, it, seriously, no, I, seriously, yeah. seriously, that's the Mona Lisa to me. Now, what is all that shit? Okay, so when 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 somebody looks at that, that's a simulated soundboard. That's what soundboards look like um, back in the day. So, okay, so like you when see we, God. One strip where he's got the, the the cursor, right? Yeah. You see one strip. Now, that is the same. Well, not that one, but that's a little different because that's a, a special effects. But take that one, right? That strip is the same as every other strip on that oh, on, on that picture. Okay. okay. So if you know one, you know how to operate everything. Okay. So it doesn't seem as complicated as it looks right there so if you learn how, how to work one strip you know how to work everything and those are tracks so if you put drums on one you put guitar on another you put you know cymbals on one and you put brass on one and you know whatever bass on another so you those are individual tracks and all the knobs are uh, fade knobs like left right it says a hundred left panning pan knobs 100 right you want to pan the sound to the middle the stereo sound let's get stereo tracks so you got left you got right you can pan them together and make it mono you can pan them to one side and, and things like that then you got eqs on the top you got gain controls and, and so like, on and so forth in that example when they say cpu one two do they have eight cpus hooked up in this example to pro tools is that um, the CPU one two three four five? Six, it depends seven. on what's built into the to yeah. the processor that you're using. And then go to our uh, tab two. So now that's the big boy, I guess. Now, right? That's the physical thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, this episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. You can put those inside of Max. That's that's a physical board with Pro, as Pro Tools was built. I never used a physical board like that for Pro Tools. It was always inside a Mac, and you had a screen that you would work off of, or two screens. So Go to all products, Rob. <clears throat> now, do you think that uh, people, for to some extent, went to logic because it's easier to learn it's like i know more people that use logic than mm -hmm. pro tools but i've always heard that pro tools is better i love pro tools i mean you know um logic is easier 
Pro Tools is really, really complicated, like I said. There's, it, it, you can do a million things with it. Um, I did record my son's band on Pro Tools. Oh, cool. Which was, I mean, you know, recording bands is, music is basically what Pro Tools is all about. If None you're of doing, these are the ones you use, right? What's that? None of these ones up here that we're looking at are, are one that you use, right? Um, I mean, they've, they've come a long way since yeah, I've used it's so, it's every, okay. every basic Pro Tools probably right there on the right. Uh, Compose, right record, edit. And yeah, next. click on that one. Probably shows what I saw. Yeah. So you did your son's own Pro Tools, huh? I did it. Serious. We recorded it. Serious. How Howard yelled at me. But I did it on my own time and I got permission. Um, so, I, I mean, it's just an amazing tool to, to record music with. I mean, you can do anything and everything. You lay it out. You, I mean, the way they used to record in the 50s and 60s was mono. And they'd record everything at once. It was live. Now, you couldn't track anything. You couldn't just record drums and then go back and add a bass and then go back and add a you know guitar and then go back and add a, a keyboard and you had to do it all at once back in the day. Now, when you started, have, we had talked about this before. When you had uh, some performers in like Lady Gaga, I'll mm -hmm. never remember <clears throat> that one. Listening to that one, I'll never forget that. She blew the house down. Wow. Really? Uh, now, I what did that look like on that board? <laughs> Because you were using Pro Tools then when? We were, using, we were recording on Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. You know, the live mix wasn't on Pro Tools. We recorded everything into Pro Tools. So we can either correct or mix it better later if there wasn't um, a great on-air live sound. Um, <clears throat> but she just had a piano and vocal. It wasn't complicated for her. So, but when we had Metallica, <laughs> and that was complicated. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they brought stacks into the small studio, which was amazing. But Lady Gaga, you know, I had only known her as a pop dance artist at that point when she came on the show. And she was cool. I liked some of her songs. But she sat down and did a, a, a ballad version of one of her dance tunes. And I'm sitting right next to her, standing right next to her. Basically, it was unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't believe the voice on that woman. She showed it off, obviously, that you couldn't really tell in the in the dance stuff. I mean, she sang her, her heart out, and it was just tremendous. Yeah, because yeah. remember when she first came out, it was all that, uh, it, was, it was pop, 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 yeah. dance, yeah. dance, mm -hmm. dance songs. You know, dance. you knew she had a voice, but you didn't know until no, that. Not I, like, I had goosebumps in the car. Top five. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was she's amazing. Top, she's top five. And I mean, I remember uh, that particular interview. He had interviewed her for a while. Yeah. And then she went and sang. Mm -hmm. And fucking. She's tough. Uh, blew me away, too, being right there. Was there anybody that you could compare to her vocally that, that you were able to see in person? She, I mean, she just went, she was probably the best. It's a surprise. I mean, other people, you knew how they were going to sing. Yeah. But she just blew everybody away with that performance because she, I never heard her do a ballad like that and sing like that. It was always the dance stuff. But yeah, I mean, but through the years, I, I've <laughs> seen so, many. so yeah. many and been fortunate enough to work with so many 
that it just was like a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. It was like, <laughs> it never ends. Right? <laughs> I was like unbelievably sitting there next to some of my idols when I was a teenager in the late '60s and early '70s, and 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 listening to all this music, and all of a sudden I'm like engineering for these people. It's like uh, Jethro Tull, Ian Anderson was like you know one of my favorite bands is a teenager and then he's sitting there and I'm you know next to him and there's just meeting they didn't perform but meeting McCartney and Ringo Starr that's something forever <laughs> I mean yeah. come on just meeting them you know whatever the fuck this is this is when you gotta go <laughs> I know. you know what, whatever these science people say mm -hmm. you still go what the fuck Billy right. Joel you know Billy Joel you know, he was on the show. You know, I'm sitting there, work. You know, mixing for him and standing what, next to him. What about bands? What What was a really good band that shocked you when they performed live? Because, like you said, you know, like the ones that are, they just have it. You know. You well, know. I mean, the Foo Fighters were on That's right. many times. Yeah, uh, I love Dave Grohl. I mean, you know, I was surprised how good they were live, especially when they're Foo Fighters coming were, through it. Right Foo Fighters were tremendous. Yeah, a tremendous band. Um, Stained, remember Stained? Oh, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Lewis. Aaron Lewis. I love Aaron <laughs> yeah, Lewis. He's, he's fucking crazy. And his fucking <laughs> lyrics were killer. Yeah, he would come in. <laughs> he would come over. I, I, he would come in when we were at K Rock. He would come in. <laughs> I, I have this like supply closet next to my studio that I kept tape in and whatever. And he, he was like, Where can I? you know, light up a joint <laughs> and go in there. <laughs> he would go in the supply closet and just light up a joint. <laughs> it's like Tom would become like, what's going on? That's, that's you know? that, that first album was insane. Stain was amazing. I sang, we did a karaoke contest, speaking of crazy, on air. Um, and uh, Stain was my backup. It was our backup band. Everybody in the show did a karaoke <laughs> Stain. I did Ohio by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Oh. I won the contest. Stain was my backup band. How cool is that? <laughs> right? And I'm singing with Stain. I mean, it was great. And we did a karaoke contest in Vegas, and Train was a backup band. Train. Yeah, Train. I love Train. Too. They're still going. They're so Train is still going. I just saw them twice this year. They were here at West Palm, and I saw them in yep. Chicago. And they're coming back in March. They still draw big crowds. They're going to be at Hard Rock Live in March. Oh wow! Yeah, if you if you want to go, uh, yeah, let hell me know. yeah, I want to go. I, I know those guys, and they're tremendous people. All the whole band, Pat and Jerry, the guitarist, and Hector. They just I, I got to know them because they were on the show so so much, and they're really they're they're unbelievable live. I mean they they. They blow you away. I know their their music is kind of poppy and and stuff, but they he does Zeppelin like nobody. He does Zeppelin. They do a lot of cover, some covers, not a lot. They did ABBA, uh, Dancing Queen because they had Jewel on the show with them. When I saw Jewel, him here, I remember Jewel? Yeah, yeah, and, Jewel. Yeah, and, uh, they're very. Uh, what's the word when you can do all types of different things? Like you could do pop, you could do rock. Yeah, you can. Like you're you're that talented where you're able to mix in other genres right. with your own genre. And that's they can do everything: do, right? rock, pop. I mean, they 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 did a cover of the Doobie Brothers, and they yeah, they, they draw big crowds too. They man. do, they do, they sell out everywhere they go, and they're. Yeah. Just he, amazing. He, he and I were talking, I think <clears throat> yesterday or the day before, about Creed. Did you guys ever have Creed in? Uh, I think Scott Stepp. We had, no, I, 
We may have had. He was going out with Avril Lavigne. No, who was going out with Avril? Uh, Avril Lavigne. I know who you're talking about. Can you Google that? Yeah. Who was dating Avril Lavigne? We were just talking about Creed because I thought they were great. Yeah, and, I, uh, I don't think they getting, were good. I don't think we had them on. No. Yeah, they had, <clears throat> he and I were talking that uh, the lead singer he got, he had gotten made fun of in the beginning a lot just because of the voice, right. like right, right. Yeah. but fucking killed it. And uh, Nirvana was great too. Yeah, did you guys ever have Nirvana? No, too no, late. Too late. Man, he could sing, huh? Kurt yeah. Cobain. Yeah, but the his girl, she was in. She oh yeah, um, <clears throat> uh, she was an interesting uh, one. What, the blonde. What can I think I of? Can't think. Uh, she dated uh, Chad Kroger from Nickelback. Oh, oh. that's who we had in. Yeah. Chad Kroger and her. Yeah, was it Scott Staff? Chad Kroger. Um, she sang on the show live. Who was Rob? Who was? Uh, who was uh? Who were you saying? The blonde, uh, the Kurt, blonde that was Kurt, dating Kurt, Kurt Cobain, married to him, married to her. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, how can we not? Think I know. Her? It's, it's like I can picture her face. I can picture the dress. Yeah, and she was on the show many times, many many times. Um, we'll find it. In Courtney a second. Love, Courtney, Courtney Love, yeah, Courtney, yeah. of course. Yeah. Courtney Love was <laughs> crazy, <laughs> but she, yeah, she was on the show. She didn't. Did she she never performed on the Did show. Did you ever have Whitney Houston on? Or was no. It, no. Not Whitney. Um, yeah, she was, Courtney was crazy. We had her on. And then, uh, I mean, you know, in the 90s, you name, you know, STP was on a lot of times. And uh, they were. Every, it was they, the big. Now you're meeting all these people. Right. And then you also got to go home. I got to work with them. I'm a professional. I can't act like, ooh, oh, can I have your autograph? Can I have a picture? Can do that. That's what made you special. Can't do that. Never did that. I would never do that. Um, but then you have to pinch yourself again and say, I'm not only meeting all these people, I'm the engineer of the right. biggest I'm show in the world. I'm working with these people. Yeah. Right. And you're on the biggest show in the world Correct. that I think paved the way for Correct. what I, I'm doing right now, what Rogan's doing, what all these people, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And uh, yeah, it was wild. It was, I mean, it was amazing when I look back to, you know, it's who like, was, yeah, did that happen? Who was the hottest chick you've ever had i mean pamela anderson was on right oh uh, pamela was on and um was carmen electra common was because yeah. remember aj was on uh with you know aj yeah the guy i talked you know he's yeah. part of yeah uh, he was on came on with rod remember he came in and Mama, uh, i love Howard carmen electra. she was dating dennis rodman yeah yeah was on they were on together that's what AJ. <laughs> He was, he, he was on with you. He came yeah. in, you shook his hand, you came in with him. Right, yeah. Speaking was... of Pamela Anderson, <laughs> you hear the crazy story about Bill Belichick, by the way, with Pamela Anderson? No, I haven't. So Bill Belichick, this was on a podcast, I, I can't remember who, former player of Bill Belichick's, I think. I can look it up. But, so it was, I don't know what Pro Bowl. It was a Pro Bowl from years ago, and... I guess uh, they got to invite some players. You know, they get voted, but then they get to pick. If, like, somebody gets hurt, they get to pick another player. So Bill Belichick picked, like, some punter, I think, or some player. And he picked him. And the only reason why he picked him is because he was dating Pamela Anderson at the time. <laughs> and they said, like, he wanted to see her by the pool, like, hanging out by the pool. Hey. So Bill Belichick, this is crazy because Bill Belichick's always just like, just like. So Bill Belichick goes up to the guys. The guys walk up past and goes, hey. Where is she? He goes, oh, she didn't come. He goes, well, then why the fuck did I pick you to be on the team? He goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there was a lot of hot chicks that we had on, you know. Now, when did you become such a good bowler? 
Oh, when, bowling. I, when I was looking you up bowling. this morning, I I saw Scott's quite of a bowler. Oh. Yeah, as in tournaments, three hundreds. I have bowled three hundreds. Yeah. Wow. When did that all start, Scott? <sighs> I bowled all my life since I was a kid. Did you? Yeah. I was um, born. I looked him up. And I'm like, fucking Scott, tournament this, tournament yeah. that, wow. one, yeah. this fucking they shit. Got one of those. Yeah. I actually was invited by the professional bowls tour. Wow. Congratulations. To go on, to go on tour with them out in Vegas, and I bowled. I think 2010 or 11 in the professional um, World Series of Bowling. You hear that? Shit. Now, you know what's funny? I, I didn't su- finish last. I didn't do well, but I didn't finish last. You made it, though. Holy oh. shit. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Really hard. I saw that, and I was going to make it a tab, but you know why I didn't? I thought, I wonder if fucking Stuttering John's behind this. No, no. That was- I, no, I, I know now, but do you understand why I would right. maybe think that? Right. So Tom <laughs> Clock, who's still currently involved with the PBA, uh, invited me to come out and, you know, we talked about it on the show and the show sent me out, you know, and filmed everything that I did out in Vegas and, you know, and then after that I would go on another couple of more, uh, you know, events uh, through the years and uh, and then uh, now I'm eligible for the senior tour. <laughs> Are you going to do it? I don't know. Um, maybe, did, did you know, you in the future. That? Ever meet that crazy bowler? He's uh, I think he's a sign like thing. Pete Weber. Oh, Pete Weber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pete Weber. I was at his his. I was sitting in the audience at his most famous, the one they they clipped from where he's yelling. He he just yeah. won the tournament. And just me, brother. I'm the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> I was right there. Really. In the front row, and you could see me a lot of times in the clips. I'm sitting at that. I was at that tournament. Oh, sure. That was in Jersey. Um, wow. Now, Carol Lil Lane's in New Brunswick. So I always try to understand this. So, like, a genius like you with sound, like, seriously, with sound and engineering, Uh how does that mix with bowling? There has to be something. It doesn't really. But but there has to be something with bowling. Like, is it the accuracy and then the accuracy of, like, the The sonic coming through the sound? I, you know what? I don't know. I'm just fucking crazy. I bowled since I was, like, 10 in leagues and, you know, as a kid bowler and just kept bowling in leagues my whole life. And I was really never that good until I got older, believe it or not, because I never had the time to put into it. Once I started my career as an as an engineer, I, that was my career. I stopped bowling for like 15 years. Wow. <clears throat> and then one, one, one day one of my friends said, hey, we're joining a league, a mixed league. You want to join with your wife? We'll just... That's a night out. And I'm like, oh, all right. You know, what the hell? <laughs> you know, well, well, for fun. It was like a travel league. Like if you won, you won a trip, a weekend trip somewhere. Yeah. I've so seen it, was, they, it wasn't money. They used right? to have them in Pennsylvania. I've seen <clears> in the newspaper. It would be like, you know, get 10 guys together. <clears throat> you go bowl. Everybody yeah. sucks and is drunk. But if you're good, you get to the next one, right. next one. And then at the end, you get like a Caribbean yeah. cruise for three days yeah. to some so shithole. So, <laughs> yeah, it was like that, you know, so... I said fine, and I just started bowling, and I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm doing pretty well. It wasn't serious, and I'm bowling, you know, okay. And then some other friend said, hey, we're in a men's league, serious money. You want to join? I'm like, okay, let's join. <laughs> let's join. So I was, you know, in the in the travel league, I was averaging in like the mid one seventies, which is eh, not great. Then I got to bowl. <laughs> well, sounds pretty yeah, damn good to like me. Yeah, well, then, <laughs> then I got to bowl with guys. It's serious, and I stepped up my equipment, and you know, got good equipment. The PBA was nice enough to hook me up with 
the manufacturers like like Brunswick and uh, I was able to get really great equipment and um you know I went and then I may I was averaging two fifteen um you know like that at that point ten what's a good tip for us bumper bowlers yeah <laughs> I you, mine can, goes straight down the fucking thing and curve too. off can, can you give us a couple how do you tips curve here? the ball oh well you gotta well there's a lot of you can't just curve a if you pick up a, a ball at the lanes a house ball as we call them. You can't just curve a house. In ball. other words, a shit ball. Yeah. <laughs> shit ball. You can't curve <laughs> <A> ball. <them>. Shit. <laughs> there, there are weights inside the ball, and when you get a drill for your fingers, the weights, the way they did, you tell the, the guy drilling it, I want the ball to hook. So they put the the weights are tilted to oh. where, where you put your fingers. So when you throw it, the weights will. Make so, the ball hook. so we don't suck. We just don't have the right <laughs> yeah, ball. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> you could add. You can add to it, but and then you, you roll it off your fingertips instead of your fingers all the way in. So that gives it a lot of roll. Yeah, uh, well, lot of, you know. I, I put my midget fingers all the way <laughs> right. in. And... That gives it a lot of forward roll. And the best thing to do is if you're just an amateur bowler, just don't just make sure your arm goes straight out. That's all you got to do. Like a follow through. I do that all the time. The follow through. Straight. Yeah, but straight. Like this, like sometimes you'll go like that or you'll go like that and you don't realize it. It's like golf when I hit a ball and I said, that was good and the balls wind up in the water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you got to follow through and point your arm at the head pin. That's basically. I think that's where I mess up because I'm looking at a target rather, like, like even if it's the head pin, but I'm wrong with it because my hand's all the way in. Right. I'm just focused on that one thing, and then that's where. But I, I would never at this point, as a, you know, as a bowler, a good bowler, don't aim like that. I look down at the arrows. There's an arrow over there. Yeah. To the right, I shoot for that arrow because I know where the ball's going to hook back. I don't aim at the head pin. I aim at the arrow on the floor. Well, I've never looked at the arrow once <laughs> in my life. Have you? I. Yeah, I mean, I knew that but, they were there, but that was about it. Aim at the arrows, because I know if I hit that arrow or I hit that spot right in front of me, that ball's going to go out and then come back. That would be like one of the most, like me and my buddies, like basketball, yeah, competitive, but bowling would always be the most fucking competitive thing. <laughs> We'd almost get fights over bowling. Bowling but. and pool. Yeah, pool, pool too. Yeah, play. right, pool uh, and bowling. Bowling also is when you get up to a professional level, they put oil in the lanes. The oil makes the ball do different things. There's different types of oil. There's different thicknesses of oil. There's different lengths of oil, how far out it goes on the lane. So depending on how they oil the lane with the same ball and the same grip, it'll be totally different between oil, different oil and patterns. They call them patterns. Now, when you're on that level, do you know that? Like, do you know if you're going to go bowl here, this is how they oil it? Mm -hmm. so usually, usually, no. Uh -oh. oh, you don't know. No, you usually do know. I do know. Yeah, you know. So it's so it's equivalent to say like an NFL. If we're playing on turf, you know, all right, this weekend yeah. we're playing on turf, so you might do a little right. different, so you don't hurt or grass. It's like if you're yeah. golfing and it's windy versus not windy. Oh, right. There you know. You go. Oh, okay. I got to co compensate for the wind that's blowing left to right, or it's it's blowing against me. I got to hit it lower. You know, or things like that. That's what you got to, okay, so this oil is going to make the ball slide more so it won't hook as much. So then I got to know to move my positioning on the lane so I'm not throwing it for a big hook. I'm throwing it straighter. Damn, that's so interesting. <laughs> I never knew that. It was like different fields. 
Yeah, no, I didn't know that either. Actually, yeah, it's it's it could be crazy real. at the professional level when you're bowling in a league in a local, um, like local thing. local bowling alley. They oil that lane the same way all the time, and once you know how they oil it, whether it be oily or dry, or you know what the conditions are going to be every day, they're going to be the, relatively the same in a league. But when you're bowling professionally, it's different every time. They tell you what the pattern is and what it's called and what it will do you know what it's going to be but it's different every time you know one thing about bowling too i think this some from my back in my hometown and here too the best fucking chicken wings ever <laughs> i don't know why well, you, but they that's why you can't bowl you got greasy fingers that's probably you put it. them in the bowl oh, dude, the, best, <laughs> the best fucking chicken wings ever from bowling alleys i don't know why so i actually haven't bowled since before the pandemic Wow! Because I had I had shoulder surgery, and then the pandemic came when I was ready to, to go back to bowling. My shoulder healed, and then I just wouldn't go in a bowling alley. It was in indoors, you know. Nobody yeah. wanted to go indoors in a bowling alley during a pandi- yeah. pandemic. So I'm I'm gonna get back. I want to go soon, but who knows what's you know. I had so I haven't bowled in like three years. Muscle memory. <laughs> I golf. I'm outside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Your new hobby is golfing, hitting it on the water, and try not to get eaten in Florida by an alligator. That's right, exactly. Remember, <laughs> you're in Florida now, I, buddy. I almost did. Don't get I that almost, ball. I hit a ball in the water, and I'm walking to the water in there. Guess what? You saw an alligator? I saw an alligator. Oh, <laughs> right? Huh. Crawling out of the water. What I'm course like, is that at? So I know that not. was, uh, it was Palm, Be- uh, Palm Beach course, Osprey. Oh, uh, yeah. Southern Palm Beach. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you can have the you ball, buddy. That. Don't worry about it. You I, can have that title. It's 50 cents you can have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you ever hear of the Sibian before Howard, the show? Mm-mm. Nobody heard of the Sibian before Howard. I no. just want to see if it... Did you, I think, were you guys the first to come out? And, like, as far as I home? know, but, yeah. uh, you know, like, again, I'm not right. privy. I'd never heard of it before that. Did... Did the staff know or the upper management, did they know that that was about to come on the no, show? No, <laughs> no. I didn't think so. We, no, we, we book a guest and it's like, okay, the guy's got this Sibian thing that girls sit on. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it became this huge <laughs> thing. We, we, we just thought it was like a vibrator of some type that they sit on, but it had attachments. <laughs> so what, what, It had all kinds of attachments <laughs> that would, you know. Who had to set that up, Scott? Uh, Gary. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I had to put a mic by it, but that's okay. Um, when, when you guys hit E, right, when you become, you know, we hear you on the radio, but now we get to see you and mm-hmm. know who you are. How much did your life change then when you're going out? Is, like, everyone noticing you at this point? Yes. What, yeah. did, was it annoying at some point, or was it, yeah, oh, this is cool? Like I, I you know, It was cool. It was, it's still cool, and, you know, I don't get recognized as much now because, you know, it's been a while. Yeah. But actually, a couple of years ago, down in, I'm down in Delray Beach walking downtown. Some guy goes, hey, Scott, you know, from the Stern Show. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. How you doing, you know? And so... Occasionally it'll happen now, but it was a lot back back then when we were on E, especially when we were on E. Um, and then it got less when we went to Sirius because we were on pay TV. You know, Howard TV was a subscription. So, Any stalkers or weird people? that I did once, but uh, yeah. we, we take care of those things, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, he, when he first went to Sirius, I don't think he really lost anything. Like, viewer-wise, did the viewers go down a lot initially? Again, I... <clears throat> you don't know the I don't, uh, analytics? I, 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 wouldn't know, I wouldn't know that. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that we had as many listeners on Sirius in the beginning that we had at K-Rock and the, the nationwide stations we had. Um so just for the eventually eventually yeah. we did mm-hmm. um yeah there was a lot of listeners on Syria so it was great i mean and then he could no he he still had to push boundaries believe it or not and even today i mean I, i'm not there anymore but you know there was a lot of censorship even on satellite radio i'm yeah. not talking about howard only right you know, just uh, in general uh, just in general on the internet people oh, fuck. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> we know, <laughs> even with podcasts and yeah. things, they, they want to censor everything. Um, not so much the government, but the, the companies that control these, you know, places that they put on podcasts and they want to, they want to act like the laws are the FCC laws. I mean, they'll go a little further than that. I mean, but Sirius allows language, you know, like we're doing here. Um, so that's good, but there's still topics that are taboo to every everybody, all across the map. Uh, every yeah, you know the, what they are. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we don't need to <laughs> throw them. I think everybody does. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, there's still stuff that you can't talk about. You shouldn't talk about. You know wh- why? I don't know. You should be able to talk about everything. Whatever you want. In a in a, in, a, in a within reason, right? Yeah, in a, in a discussion that's fair and even, yeah. you know, you can't go on and just degrade some race, you know, for for degrading them. Right. You know, if you're having a rational conversation with somebody about a race or or a gender, that's fine. You know, you're not degrading anybody, but, you know. That's why I thought it was such bullshit what they did to <clears throat> Joe Rogan. You know, he kept. He was the first one to have one like the Malones, the doctors, and all Mm -hmm. that stuff going against the agenda. Right. And then when he did that, they did what you were talking about before. They cut up, you know, 13 years of the N-word. But what they cut up, they didn't put in the fact that he was sitting across from another African-American, and they were joking around saying the N-word, like, just joking. No, You know what I mean? I get it. And because he went against the grain of what the agenda, they made him look like a racist. But the guy he's sitting next to on one of them was Chappelle, who he goes on fucking tour with. Yeah. And they're just joking as comedians. I know. And that's the type of shit they do. And and they did it with you guys. Even comedians I feel bad for. They can't even do racy shows live. I heard they're not even broadcasting. Scott, they're, they're doing shows live in front of an audience that's not even going out anywhere, and they're getting censored. I heard Chris Rock is tearing shit up. He's oh, really? when you walk in, no phone. They're taking the phone, and he is just ripping. Good, I, good for him. Story through the grapevine. And I, I heard absolutely. he's got a real good one. He, he for, was on the uh, show a number of times. Yeah, great guy, and you know, so good. Funny as good hell. for him. Yeah, he's really funny. Who do you think's the best comedian? Oh, <laughs> top, top two. Come on. Okay, you got Murphy. What do you give Eddie Murphy? Wait, from one come on, Eddie Murphy. But I worked, and I got to know one of the best ever comedians. Well, in my opinion, the best ever comedian is George, was George Collin. Everyone says George Carlin. See, that was before my time. Yeah. Everybody says George, George Carlin. Carlin. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, Rodney Dangerfield, who I got to meet. I never met Carlin. Um, 
But I got to know and work with Sam Kinison. Oh, that's another one, too. Sam Kinison was beyond, beyond amazing. And it's too bad he had to die. So, uh, Carlin and Kinison, the, the main guys I always hear talk about them, Joey Diaz, Rogan, Rock, Murphy, and uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. It was so funny. Bernie Mac. Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. Bernie Mac. <clears throat> they would, they, those were their right. uh, mentors. Like mentors. Right. And who's the best? Like, alive. Those guys, yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than Bernie, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, the two I love. I mean, Colin was amazing, just amazing, and he was clean, basically clean. He'd just make up shit that you would like everyday stuff that would you would like. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> funny. I mean, they, he would they just turn. He would just write every day. He would just write anything he saw, like this cup, that cup, this thing, and then over time, he would yeah. just turn it into okay, that scissors was with that tape. Right. I would know, remember the, this bit that I, I bought a Colin album like in the seventies, and it was like this bit called uh, football baseball. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it was like he'd go into this bit like football is. I'm a football player, and I can beat your ass. And then, baseball, <laughs> you float down the... <laughs> and he'd be like, it was like totally opposite. Like, you know, football is this big macho game, and baseball is just like, little hit the ball and run to first base thing. <laughs> and he made it so fun but he, without his the way, vulgarity. Yeah. yeah, without the vulgarity. Not, but it was just so funny. Speaking of which, I didn't realize how into sports you were. I'm very into sports. So, yes. we know your your favorite baseball team is the Mets. Favorite hockey yeah. team? Hockey, I'm not into. The basketball, I'm not into. Football and baseball are my sports. Those are the and, two. and bowling. <laughs> and bowling. Bowling, I participated in. Who's your basketball team? It was the Knicks, but I got just sick of them. It's <laughs> you can't yeah, everybody. Else. You can't. You can't. You even had Phil Jackson. Yeah, I know. Oh God, who is not a? Uh, I don't think he's a good. Uh, like team owner, right. they he should have been on the floor. Yeah. Now, if he would have had that team he, and coached he, that team, he couldn't might, would have been GM that team. It was terrible. He didn't care. He didn't do anything. He didn't. I mean, you know, he took the money and just ran. Yeah. Ran for the hills. I wonder why Jeannie Buss left him, or why he left Jeannie Buss. Hmm. Who knows? Relationships. Nobody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Women, men, so, whatever. Who's gonna win the Super Bowl? This year, I'd have to say Philly. Yeah! Philly. Not a Philly, I don't know. I'd have to say Philly. I mean, but Philly or, or uh, San Fran, one of those San two. San Fran looks tough. Yeah. So who's going to be in the Super Bowl? I have Philly. Philly is the number one. And then from the AFC. What you think, not like the record. Oh, what I, you know, yeah. what I think doesn't really matter. No, it does matter. <laughs> I want to know what you think, not not stats. I'm a Jet fan too, but they're not going to be in the. <laughs> there's no fucking way. They, they have no chance. They need chance. a quarterback. They need a quarterback. Yeah, they have no chance. Um, Buffalo. Who, who we got? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. City. I want to see Buffalo. Remember, I texted you last week and I thought they were going to lose to the Lions. Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo. I was waiting to text you. I want to see Buffalo, Philly. <clears throat> what do you think, Rob? Has it changed? Uh, so I still have my Eagles, but I don't like to say that because I'm, I'm a big jinx guy, so yeah. I don't say it. So I, I, I think so, but um, you know, until they're there. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna still gonna say the Eagles, and my original pick, which is not looking so good now, was the Eagles Dolphins. 
Dolphins, yeah. And it would kinda... be Tua versus Hertz, the guy who right. replaced Hertz in, at Alabama, all that type of stuff. Uh, the Dolphins have kind of fallen off, and they're playing in Buffalo this week. In like right. It's a big 15 game. 15 inches of snow it's supposed to Saturday be. Saturday night. <clears throat> so big game. I'm going to switch <laughs> the Dolphins, and I'm going Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs. Andy Reid versus the Eagles. That's what I think so. Boom. That's a good game. Boom. I'd like to see the only Boom. real New York team, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in the in the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be uh, San Francisco. Looks fucking good. They look but good. They, they got McCaffrey and Debo got hurt. They got they lost Garoppolo, but uh, yeah, I think Eagles Kansas City. That's what I think. Mm. Uh, and then who wins that? I don't know. Andy Reid does not win Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. He pissed me off quite a few times. He won one. And McNabb. There you go. Fucking McNabb. <laughs> yeah, that's my pick. But so, who do you think next year for basketball? Uh, basketball, I, I, oh, I, that's right. You're no, not I'm baseball. not into basketball. Yeah. You know, baseball, I, I, baseball, I, baseball next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Mets just spent a fortune. Steve Cohen just Furland. lit up the fucking baseball world and spent twice as much as everybody else. I can't believe they did that. They, they <laughs> were playing. They're playing with Yankee numbers, right? Yeah. Now. No, they're playing with their own. Yeah, he's got his own record numbers above, yeah. above and beyond the Yankees, and he's. He's paying in tax, just luxury tax, more than some team's full payroll, (laughs) believe it or not. I can't believe MLB makes that much goddamn money. His luxury tax is going to be somewhere in the 70 million range. Wow. 70 to 80 million range, just for the tax, because he went over the- Some teams don't spend that much on their full payroll. The Rays and the Marlins probably. (laughs) Right, right. So he's spending- It'll probably be close to three hundred and fifty in payroll, then plus the tax, which is beyond anything ever anybody's ever spent. Is MLB making that kind of money? You tell me. He has that money. He's not spending MLB money. He's spending his own money. His own money. He's going to lose money on this season because there's no way they can make that money back. Hell no. It's his money. He's he's the rich one of the richest guys in the world. Fuck. <laughs> so. He wants that. He was a fan growing up. He's a fan of the Mets, and he wants to make sure that they win a championship. This would have been, you know, and everyone who may have watched in this in the past, all Philly for me except for baseball. I grew up a Mets fan. There you go. Because I saw Mr. Yeah. Met had they all, and, and, and all the teams in that division, the Braves and the Phillies, and, are spending like crazy. And, they got great teams, all three of them. It's going to be a dogfight. You, so, know how, you know how much it kills me, though, as, as being a Philly sports fan and everything? Yeah. And I hate the Phillies. <laughs> and then they go to the World Series this I know, year. I couldn't And the Mets, it. if the Mets won, the Mets were going to the World Series. I know. I told it that. I said it. And I think they would have won it this year. This would have been the Mets year. DeGrom, I know. all that, they would have fucking won it this I year. Know. I promise you they would have. You think they won it next year? Or you think they need two? Yeah. Hey, they If they would have beat. If they would have won, beat Atlanta one game at the end of the year, yeah. they would have skipped and had the bye, right. and they would have gone all they the way. I think they would have gone all the way. I think so, too. Yeah. Look and um, see how much they spent real quick. This year? Yeah. Yeah. You think they'll win next year, or you think it will take a year or two to get uh, comfortable I, with it? It's other? hard. they got a hard division to win. It, it, listen, they'll do great in the regular season. The playoffs are a crapshoot. Yeah. Always. It doesn't matter. who The Phillies, fin- the Mets won 101, Phillies won 89, finished in third place. Phillies are in the World Series. Yeah. Why? Why? Were they the best team? Not for the whole season, but they got hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. The playoffs are a crapshoot. Usually, 
If you have a great, you're not going to win if you have the best team always. You're not going to happen. Across six con- contracts Shoot that so up here. far. Yep. Hold on. <sighs> oh, can I just six contracts so far here? It says. Blow that up a little bit. Let me see. Let's see here. And, I, yeah. and I'll show you where I'm talking about. In total, across oh these six contracts. The Mets have dished out $461.6 million. Wow. The yeah. annual figure is about $129 million in new payroll for the 2023 season. The Mets and owner Steve Cohen are serious about winning and contending for the World Series every year. This offseason is another And they're not done yet. Such. They're not done yet. Yeah, and they, they're not done yet. They might go after that Rodon, yeah. the other pitcher. Look, Scott. I'm, the Mets' current payroll for 23 is estimated, which you know they're shooting low, mm-hmm. $345 yeah. million, and he spent half a billion. A little another little, absurd. Here it is. Another it's a little million. above your payroll. Uh, That's pretty little, since the ground left. The <laughs> Mets will have greater than all of the following teams' payrolls combined. The Royals, the Rays, the Reds, the Pirates, the <laughs> Orioles, yeah, and the A's. Combine them all together, they have more. They have, Seventy-eight right. million in luxury tax. Yeah, oh, that's what I right on point. Right. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. I hope just for the guys. Who the hell is who? Out the hell is he? Cohen. Cohen's a hedge fund guy. Oh fuck, hedge yeah. fund guy. Hedge fund. All right, there you go. We'll make that back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a crypto guy. <laughs> well, uh, he got arrested. He got arrested. They got him. He's an FT- Whoa, FTX. Yeah, they, they got him. And baseball was he was into sponsoring baseball last year. <laughs> the umpires had FTX on their on their <laughs> uniforms. They all got smoked. They all got right. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them. <laughs> last thing we'll what who's the best quarterback of all time? Gotta be Brady. I mean, you know, I, I, I Thank never, you. I never liked Brady, but I mean You know what we have to do, we haven't done it. We gotta do a how can fucking you, running tally. How how can you deny Ask him. I well I How mean, can you deny it, Rob? You got two guys. I mean you're there, asking there may him. be some better for shorter periods of time. You know, I agree with that. Yeah. Maybe for two years or three years somebody was better than Brady for that. Okay. I mean, for twenty fucking years, over twenty years, he's playing. How you can't beat that? He's got, he's got sh- six Super Bowl, and he's got a shit line this year. But the second game of this season, he threw an eighty-yard pass, and they compared it to two thousand four, and it looked identical. <laughs> At forty-two, getting divorced, <laughs> I know, and gotten destroyed by crypto. You can't beat that. So how can you explain Joe Montana? Yeah, yeah, so, it was an F. Rob. So I'll explain my theory for Tom Brady that not people will hate and they'll <laughs> comment on this. And I'll, yes, I am a Tom Brady hater. Hater. And, yeah. and um, I would go back to a couple examples. Drew Brees never gets hurt. We may not hear of Tom Brady. People say no. We still would have. We still would have. I don't know. Can't you have, count, you can't have count this, that. You have, this, that you have the snowball with the Raiders, the tuck roll. It wasn't Drew Brees. It was... Uh, oh, sorry, not Drew Brees. Drew Bledsoe, I meant. Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. You have the snow game with the Raiders, the tuck roll. That roll comes out of mm-hmm. nowhere. You have... They talk about Spygate. They talk about the deflated balls. They talk. So I just wonder if some of this... If some of this stuff doesn't happen, if Brady even has as many Super Bowl rings as he has. But then how does he leave the Patriots in one year and win a Super Bowl with an entirely new team and get beat 
yeah. for the first six games. Yeah, I mean, I can't explain that one. <laughs> there, there you go. go. <laughs> All right. All right, Scott, man. I hope we can do this again. No, it's it always fun just joking around. Awesome, man. Maybe we'll get Stuttering John in again. Oh, boy. <laughs> one day. <laughs> Come on. We'll, we'll get him here and we'll bust his balls. Yeah, Come definitely. On. And Brent. Brent wants to shoot out. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah so we'll to see we'll Brent. get Brent out. Yeah. He's a very kind guy. Brent's great. Love he Brent. Is. All right, buddy. Thank right. you very much. Take care. All righty.